What's up, everybody? Welcome to the club. Today is November 5th, 2022. It is 9 p.m. and we have a special guest joining us in the club today, Platypus Cyberpunks and uh, their owner or the, the founder, Eddie. Eddie, are you are you the sole founder or do you have any co-founders? I'm currently the sole founder. There's a few other um, founders for the next phases of the project, but for Platypus Cyberpunks and the initial stages of what the real estate and everything's going to be, it's just me. Uh, and my girlfriend, obviously, partner slash founder, <laughs> since she owns her own design company. Um, but everybody else I've just been working with has been a partner, uh, providing um, excellent services. That's, that's dope, man. You know, she's going to need a piece of that. So make sure you cut her in. Of course. <laughs> she's not going to that down. And we're joined by my co-host, Fauci. Fauci, say what's up to the people, man. Yo, yo, yo. Thank you guys for tuning in. Man, it, it was Fauci the one that, that scouted you out for the episode. He was super impressed with what you guys were building. And I, I was looking over your documentation over the last few days and trying to get a sense of what you got going on. And I was super, super impressed because uh, me personally, I've I've been wanting to get into real estate. I'm only 24 right now. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had, you know, an, an, uh, a lot of time to kind of build up my wealth, especially now, the you know, how the market is now where the ridiculous. But I've always been like really interested in real estate and investing and doing stuff like that. So when I saw that the, that you guys were building like on Cardano with that kind of premise, I was super like super impressed. So if you want to just give a little bit of intro of who you are, what you guys are about to get everybody that's listening, you know, kind of an idea of what we got going on for today's episode. Yeah, hundred percent. So I'm Eddie Carr, or you can find me on discord as platypus alpha on the platypus cyberpunks discord. What we are is a 5,555 NFT platform or uh, distribution. And what we will be doing with these NFTs and as well the minting uh, capital is to build a real estate platform that you could eventually in the future host your own property that you own and share a little bit of the rental income with the community. And then you'd be able to actually create and generate capital from the selling of those NFTs to continue building into a real estate platform or to continue building into your own real estate portfolio. Uh, we're going to be offering lots of other uh, nice features like rental uh, software, uh, being able to handle leases for long-term, short-term, and then in the future, we're going to be doing a lot of really cool stuff with short-term rentals uh, that's also on our roadmap. But in the to sum it all up in once, it's going to be three easy steps. Mint the shard NFT, which will be associated to a property. Take that, hold it forever, continue to receive... Um, staking rewards associated to that. So how will the the NFT buyers be benefiting from the mint? So for the platypus, well, platypus mint, uh, this, uh, this isn't special because there's going to be two components to that. I have visuals. There's a a YouTube video out there by, uh, ultimate CNFT that I just recently did that came out, uh, I think yesterday. And what I did is I went down a whole diagramming of, you know, where the cash flow goes. Because with any sort of business, you want to have cash flow in, cash flow out. It's very important. It's a, it's like the basis of all budgeting, right? You should have more coming in than more coming out. Now, with the cash flow itself in general is where the flow of uh, the tokenomics goes. So with every platypus that you're minting, that is going into uh, building the platform, you know, going to all my lawyers and being like, here's your fee. <laughs> and go, go ahead and continue registering, regulating, and uh, getting those documents out for us. And then um, any sort of other uh, costs that have to do with the business, cloud s- solutions, or any sort of cloud storage that we need. And that will go to build the whole platform. 
the platypuses themselves will have access to a staking pool. And mind you, this is the way that we have to go about it because staking is the, um, you know, with the SEC going after, after a lot of the fractionalized ownership, um, not necessarily just real estate, but also in art, gaming, um, insert whichever DAO that has fractionalized, you know, multi-sign contracts that everybody has. Uh, the SEC is really going after those because once you sell that asset, it is a taxable event. And then that means that everybody will have to, um, you know, whoever claims a little bit of that profit or that income, uh, they have to report that. They have to tax upon that. So that is a taxable event, even if it hasn't been converted to USD just yet. So that is why they're pursuing it. For us to protect everybody that they don't have a security, uh, but they have an asset, that would mean that we have to create everything in a means of royalties, luck, long-term staking, or just some sort of perk or reward system, right? So from there, what we do is we take a little bit of, of the net profit, we take uh, 50% of the royalties from the NFTs, and uh, 100% of the staking rewards coming off of the properties, and we funnel that into a stake pool, which will be the Whimsy stake pool, Whimsy being the real estate platform that we're building. And then that uh, those rewards will be uh, shared across the costs of running the, the business, as well as uh, filtering into the liquidity pool uh, so that it continues to increase the pairing of ADA to Venom. And Venom is how the rewards are paid out. So as long as you hold those NFTs, you will have Venom that'll be accumulating over time. And then as you long-term hold, the liquidity pool will continue to long-term increase because not the community, not uh, FOMO or some sort of hyping or popularity, but actual business is creating value into that Venom ADA uh, pairing. Okay. Okay. So, just two quick questions here. One follow-up. Sure. Besides this mint, will there be like a series two mint or further assets being added on? And then also, uh, do you how do you how do you plan to get these tokens out? Will it be like an ISPO or something? Yeah. So, uh, first question: um, Is there going to be a secondary mint? No, there will not be. Uh, we will. We are doing this initial mint just for the platform and to the essentially to cover a lot of legal costs. Uh, because it is a long, erroneous road to registering everything. I've already started this a lot with my own capital. Um, so far today, I have spent 53,000, uh, you know, development, uh, design work, legal, uh, components. I'm working with ByteBow. They're famously known for also being, uh, the world of women's, um, uh, legal representation. So I'm trying to work with the best in the industry who understand it the most. Um, so there's, there's a lot of cost accumulating over that. Now, when it comes to the additional minting, the, we don't want to be a project that continues to mint NFTs to generate profit. We want to be one that mints, receives the initial capital and utilizes that to build a business that can generate income. Uh, but for your second question of, uh, remind me again, what was the second question? Yeah. So your, your token, will there be like a, ISPO for, yes. or how, is it just going to be an ICO, or how are you going to get the tokens out? Uh, we're calling it a, a NISO, but it's very familiar with the NFT staking that a lot of other projects have been doing. Uh, we have a dashboard. A lot of the utilities already kind of already being built. I have my developers working in testnet right now with it. Uh, the idea behind that is you would take the NFT, and then you would have a pairing of the NFT to some sort of ADA in your wallet, and you would, through smart contract, stake to the, uh, the Whimsy stake pool. And then you would have uh, a 60-day period uh, where you just have everybody connecting their NFTs, their wallets, and making sure that those uh, NFTs are smart contract staked 
or locked to that staking pool for that period. The longer that you have them there, the more venom that you would accumulate. After those 60 days, a button to claim will be made visible. That's when you can claim. As well as an airdrop that's associated to every NFT. So not the wallet, but the NFT itself will have an, uh, an accumulation of uh, venom uh, right off the rip. So once you've minted that NFT, that NFT also has venom associated to it. So if you want to you know, flip it immediately, well, you're also going to be flipping and giving away a whole bunch of money at the same time. So I'm trying to protect, you know, the, the secondary market and, and for the long term as well. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I already in that brief little explanation, I have so many questions uh, about what you're yeah. building. But uh, before we get into that, because we, you know, we have uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later as well. I kind of want to get in to you as a person and, you know, what kind of inspired this type of idea, like your history, how you got into Cardano. And, you know, I've always thought about how um, blockchain technology could be integrated into the real world, you could say. And real estate was definitely okay. something that I've seen around on the internet of people buying fractionalized houses and or having the deed to your house or something in the form of an NFT. And uh, I would always see people joking like on Twitter, of like, oh, what if somebody takes takes your ledger and now you don't have a house or something like that? So uh, so it's definitely been an idea that that I've seen around. But you're the guys, you guys are the first ones to actually ever, to, you know, really take that step towards it. Like, you know, how, how did that all come about? So in the initial phases, I wanted to be like everybody else. And I'm a I'm, I'm an engineer. That's my background. I got 10 years of like DevOps, SRE work working for companies like Bose, Wayfair, uh, a little, a couple startups that didn't really go anywhere. So I'm not going to mention names uh, since they didn't succeed. Uh, <laughs> but I have a lot of experience with cloud development, cloud um, hyper availability, uh, not hyper, uh, yeah, uh, HA, which is, uh, no, that's uh, hyper, um, I can't remember the acronym, but it's essentially uh, availability and always being up and running, uh, scaling solutions and automation solutions. Thing, you know, like tools like, um, you know, Puppet or Chef or, you know, programming solutions through Python or, uh, I've dabbled a lot with Linux, um, automation systems or just writing bash scripts, you know, very old school way of, you know, automating a lot of tasks. So I have a lot of experience in those technical areas, uh, from the things that I've done at bigger companies or for myself. So I was thinking, oh, okay, I got into Cardano. I got in around the time, um, that, uh, that Cardano uh, bits was minting. I just missed um, Space Buds. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get into some of this. I saw the technology. I saw how like, oh, I can just send a little bit of ADA to this address. And then they automated this thing and I, and I got an image from it. And I was like, well, this is really cool. I was like, okay, what else does Cardano have? And I got into staking. I saw that. I was like, okay, cool. We can get somewhere around between 3.6 to like 4, maybe 5%. And then there's like a really interesting luck component to minting blocks. And I was like, wow, staking, staking makes way more sense long term. You know, and this is something that you can have as a business as its own. So I thought, okay, well, I can get into staking. I can deploy a stake pool really easily. You know, I took a weekend to learn it. I deployed one, had it all available, started putting, you know, all the social media and the stuff around it. And then I started to see that I was like, oh, wow, I'm incredibly late to the game. Uh, there's a lot of people here who are buying ADA at like four cents who, who, who accumulated pledges and, and, you know, big scale. And around that time, I was looking at it. Ada just hit like what one twenty a dollar twenty, and within like two weekends it hit two dollars two ten, and I'm like, oh, it's gonna be really expensive to try to get this uh, off the ground, um, and then you gotta you know 
kind of market. You got to get into this different, uh, this is before Twitter spaces. So you had to really like figure out how to do the SEO and the marketing and everything. Um, so I was like, okay, I can do the stake pool. Maybe I'll just have that as a backup. Let me, let me figure out what something else could be. So I got into, well, the, the Cardano at the time didn't have an NFT market. I, <laughs> I, I cut my teeth on the discord days of, of auction houses and, uh, you know, DMing and, and trying to potentially have full trust in an individual I've never met in my life to send me ADA so I can send them an NFT. So, uh, those were a lot of fun times. I'm like, there's gotta be a better way. So I saw OpenSea. I saw that, uh, Solana Art was in the, you know, the workings of coming out and they were promoting that they're going to have a project. Um, sorry, they're going to have a marketplace. So I, <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. Maybe I can build a marketplace. So I, I built a cool concept. I, I started getting it working and then CNFT.io came out and I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I can just build a little faster and I'll be able to get something going because, you know, his was still very KYC at the time. He obviously deployed it at, uh, at, at faster than he probably should have because obviously smart contracts weren't really a thing at that point. And then JPEG store and Genesis house came out and I was like, okay, I see what's happening here. And then everybody and their mom and their grandma came out with the marketplace. And I was like, okay, I'm going to need to rethink this because trying to compete with people who had five, six, 10, 20 people on a team and trying to build out a full scale system or, or, or organization and maybe even have their own personal seed funding. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to compete with that. I'm a one man show right now. I got one other friend who's a developer who helps me at the time, you know, off and on. I was like, how can I make this more feasible? So I was already getting into real estate at the time. So I was already out there with my friends. I got a few other uh, uh, acquaintances that are realtors in the area. I'm, I'm out of Boston. So I've been looking at Boston property uh, during 20, 2019 to 2020. Um, and around that time, I was just, you know, looking at places, looking at good deals. And then I saw the prices start to skyrocket. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to wait now because interest rates are really low. The prices are really high. The monthlies make sense. And then right around when interest rates got about five to six percent, I'm like, okay, this is starting to look very familiar because I paid a lot of attention, you know, and I've, I've seen the books, uh, like too big to fail or the big short and, and all those things. So I've been, I've been paying attention to a lot of that stuff and also re- reflecting on the 2008 housing market. And I was like, okay, we're going to see another one of these big boys come down. Uh, COVID was the trigger and we just got to wait now. So I pulled back. Obviously, I had to let some of my friends be like, hey, I'm not going to buy anything right now. So sorry. Um, but as as we're waiting, I was like, OK, maybe this is the time to start organizing this and getting this to be more um, structured so that I could have something that's you know still using a little bit of my code, a little bit of my structure of what I've already built, and then just applying it to minting NFTs based on properties. And that's where that idea came from. And uh, I got another Another guy who's actually uh, a partner who's going to be with me on the Whimsy project when we have that up and running, who's out of Italy. And he's, uh, he was just, he was like, yeah, we should probably get into real estate. Like, I don't think anybody's doing that right now. And I was like, no, there's got to be. So realistically, full straightforward transparency, there are other projects working on it, but they're none doing it the way that we're doing it. Um, yeah, I know that there's some on Algorand. I know that Ethereum has some DAOs and some real estate projects there. Uh, but they're all doing it in the way of fractionalized ownership. That's direct ownership of the home. They're doing it in a way where they're trying to mint tokens per property and have their own kind of like economies based off of a, of a business, which was kind of cool. But 
I don't think it was the full solution. Um, so I was like, okay, there is something here that we can put together, that there is a problem worth solving. Because uh, I don't like to go into business trying to bring a solution without there being a problem. Um, but being able to buy real estate right now is impossible. And that's what I was kind of predicting. Because like back, you can look at my tweets from, I don't know, probably 2021 March or April. And I'm like, real estate is way too high. Interest rates, the, uh, I was like, I was like, all of this is going to come crashing. We're going to be at like eight to nine percent by end of year. And here we are just just right there. We just had another 0.75 basis point increase. So I was like, yes, called it. I felt good, but also bad because the economy is not going to do well after this. Um, but the, that's the direction. That's a little bit of like where we came from, a lot of my mindset of, you know, where those things kind of applied and how we kind of got to. Yeah, this is a good idea. Just using a little bit of foresight. And then uh, seeing that there's a realistic solution that people can actually leverage. Man, that's super. That's super interesting. And I, I definitely think that even though it's being done in different ways on other chains, you have the you have the advantage of being on Cardano and being able to have these fast transactions and being able to have these low fee transactions. That's going to make all of that easier. Now, like one of the questions I do have are you know it's, it's something that you mentioned earlier saying that you have to have money going in and money coming out and one of the things mm -hmm. that about with real estate is obviously cash flow so like you know what what are the type of properties that you're going to be looking to invest in and like say you do invest into something that's making you a thousand dollars a month and and the mortgage is 700 like are you splitting that profit in half are you saving any for repairs or something that might go wrong in the home like what is the kind of like the strategy going in on the actual, you know, profit side of things to be able to, you know, pay back the holders? Yeah. So it, just real quick to, I, I want to be as transparent as possible that there's going to be a lot of other transparencies throughout the whole structure of the project, but I don't want people to think that buying the NFT is an immediate ownership of a property. Cause it's not that that's the security. We'd have to go down the official route and go through the secure, uh, through the SEC as well as, uh, the financial industry regulator authority, the FINRA, um, we, we would have to go through them and then everybody would have to KYC. We'd have to lock it into the United States only. Um, and, and then business would be essentially like that. Right. Um, I don't mind doing that. And I also have a, a fail safe with my, with my uh, lawyer where, where we are going to plan for that if need be, if the SEC wants to go after reward systems and loyalty programs with NFTs then yeah, we're going to have to go down that route and we need to be able to be ready if that ever has to occur. Um, I'm a dude who likes to prepare unnecessarily, but though I am prepared for, you know, plan C through Z. Um, but for, for like how the money works, um, properties that we'll be going after will be multi-units. We're trying to make the most uh, return for every dollar that we spend. I'll be spending my own personal income or my personal capital that I have at my disposal right now. I'm sitting on 200,000 cash. This is money that's dedicated and solely for the purpose of um, going into real estate. Uh, so what I'll be doing is buying these multi-units, uh, hopefully buying from distressed individuals. So people who bought in the later stages of 2020, early phases of 2021, where they got an appraisal, the house was really valuable, and you know they're trying to flip them, and then they find right around, 
I think it was right around June, July, where everything started to come down. August, it started to tank. And by October, September, September, October, they were realizing no one's going to buy this house. They bought too expensive or they, um, there's no, they had somebody, but they had to walk away from the contract because rates went up like within the week and now they can no longer afford the home. Right. Cause you're not able to lock a, a mortgage or some sort of loan, um, until you get to the final stages of the actual property. Uh, and by that point, you are at risk that somebody could increase the interest rates. And Jerome Powell is very hawkish right now. So he, he most certainly increased interest rates more than once within a month. Um, so what we're seeing is a lot of people who were flippers who tried to pretty things up and resell them. I'm looking to buy from them. I'm looking to buy from uh, investors who have had properties that they no longer can afford the mortgage on because they had two years of uh, moratorium where nobody paid rents. Uh, and now they're trying to catch up. And they and then there's still some states that they can't evict anybody, you know, like uh, like the Northeast, uh, California, some places like that. They they still have localized moratoriums where they can't evict anybody. So they're hemorrhaging money, and a lot of people are trying to get out, or they're trying to um, you know, evict people so they can start collecting rent, so they can start paying their mortgages back. But I think these are going to be distressed individuals that we attack. And the final one is uh, new property builds. Um, there are a lot of new properties out of Texas and Florida. And there's a few other states, not so interesting to me right now, but Texas and Florida that um, they're, they're reducing prices like crazy. And they're putting a lot of credit um, credit offers like, oh, if you buy this at this uh, at this price of like five hundred thousand, we'll reduce it by 50 grand. And we'll also give you a 50 grand uh, credit towards closing. And then you can use that to either buy down the interest rate or keep it as cash for collateral after like you need to fix something or just keep it as a credit those those opportunities are becoming more and more um viable and they're being offered to push and close these properties because builders don't want to buy and hold they buy the they, they build the property and then they they, they need to get rid of it because that, that's just a product for them to walk away from with with hopefully um income what they're now starting to see is that nobody wants to buy everybody's waiting for a crash because everyone thinks there's going to be one there um and now they're they're reducing prices like crazy. So there's a lot of areas, a lot of moments of of weakness for individuals who have who essentially need like a savior, um, and that's that's really the approach that we're going after. Uh, so we can get ourselves some good deals. High interest rates don't bother me. It's when high interest rates and high prices are together. And what you're going to find out is that as the interest rates continue to 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 soar and continue to put pressure on uh, people who are selling they're going to have to come down in price for anybody to be able to even afford looking at the property. Uh, so what we're going to do is try to get in there. Beautifully enough, I was recommended on that um, spaces that you guys found me on about subject two. And I started looking into that. That's exactly what um, I, uh, that's exactly what I want to start doing as well. You're using my own capital, looking for people who are uh, distressed in some way and you know being their solution and having them sign things over to me I just take ownership of their monthly payment. And from there, I have ownership of the home. And then the deed itself comes to me. So that, that, that's where that ownership and that strategy is going to come around. Uh, for the actual dollars and cents, we got to get a good deal. We have to make a good amount of margin on all, the, all these properties and whatever is net profit at the end. So that is going to take in consideration month to month of what the taxes are for that location and for the pr- purchase price of that 
that home is because every time you buy that home, localized, uh, local tax doesn't come into account. A lot of our approach will also be to tackle a lot of these people who can't afford the new tax on this home that's four times its value from what it was in 2019. So we're going to see a lot of individuals like that that we could talk to and say, hey, you can't afford that 10K tax or that 5K tax, you know, come next March. You know, we can come in and help out or we could. I also filed a registry with with both Texas and Florida and different counties uh, to actually see their taxes on these homes that will eventually have tax liens. We could also go down that route to purchase that tax, make a simple agreement with the homeowner. And if they can't pay back the tax, we take the home. So there's different avenues to really get into home acquisition. We have a few of methods in play that we have written down ready to go as a strategy. Um, so as, as long as we're able to get a really good deal and we can have the monthly costs be on the lower end, I don't see there being any issue with sharing the net profit after the taxes, after the initial cost, and after a little bit of uh, cash being saved for the maintenance and management of these properties. Man, and you're not lying. I mean, these these rates, right, they continue to rise. And like with uh, Jerome Powell speaking the other day, they're, they're still very hawkish. You know, we don't kind of think, we don't think things are going to be turned around anytime soon. So like, do you raise, mm-hmm. with the, like the rising inflation, do you raise the rent on your tenants or do you just kind of let that slide for now? What I love, um, I love that question because I don't, I don't want to raise, I don't want to raise rents on people because rents are going to come down too. It, like look at Florida, the average, the average uh, salary that somebody makes in Florida of regular people who live there is 55 K a year. People's incomes have not gone up in the last two years to go again, to go with the rise of inflation, nor to go with the rising costs of anything. So what we're seeing is a lot of people who are living in that area who are going to be renting, but they also can't buy homes. But you can't go past what they can afford reasonably uh, month to month because then they have no money to buy food, groceries or anything, or even get gas to keep going to work, right? Because Florida never shut down. So they, they're going to have to go to a physical location. Um, so you're going to start to see rents coming down. The areas that you're going to see a lot of headaches around that is people who over leveraged people who uh, refinance during that 2% interest rate so they can have a really nice monthly payment and they raised rents. Those are the individuals who are going to uh, be just fine, right? Because they don't, they can bring their rents down and still have margin. A lot of what we're seeing is the industry going around and kind of being a lot uh, really greedy. Uh, these last couple of uh, last couple of months, rents will have to come down at some point for the regular people in these areas to live there. Because what you'll find is everybody who's moved to Florida in the last two years, and this is also information I've shared in my Discord. I also have uh, nice diagrams, and I did a few Twitter posts about it. You, there's a heat map of migrations that the U.S. Census Bureau does every year. And the information that I got is that a lot of people left California, a lot of people left Seattle, Boston, New York, uh, Detroit, and they all moved down south. So you have places like Tennessee, Riley, North Carolina. You see a lot of places in Florida. Uh, Orlando, Kissimmee, uh, Tallahassee is booming. Miami was a big one. But all those people are now going back up north because their jobs are calling them back into the office. So now, you know, that's one component of it. Another one is, you know, the, the hurricane that just came through Florida. So they're losing a lot of people as well. Um, yeah, moving back up north because there's obviously whatever they purchase has either been destroyed or, 
they, they don't see the reason to stay down there anymore right now. Um, so there's a lot of that going on. Uh, places like Austin, Texas, they've all up and moved as well. Uh, Boise, Idaho has moved. A lot of places in, in uh, the Southwest, California, Nevada, um, all of you know, Arizona, they're seeing hemorrhaging of people leaving. Uh, one, because of the droughts that uh, occurred recently. Um, obviously, that's kind of balanced itself out with some with some flooding and rains that came in, but it, that's not a long-term solution. Mother Nature didn't just fix it overnight. Uh, they're going to have water issues, and they're in a constant state of drought. Uh, so that you can see the trend, that people are going to have to move out of there. It's either going to get too hot to live there, or there's not going to be any water to just even have uh, to drink. So... I, I don't think I'm going to purchase in that location, even though it could be, you know, very lucrative for the time being. I, I think uh, the way that rents are going to be managed in the future is going to be needs to come down. People need to be able to afford it to live there, and the places that rents are going to go up are where all the money has gone back to. Um, so when it comes to uh, raising or lowering rents, what I like to do is follow the, the 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 methods that my my friend who he owns a good deal of properties. And he, he does this. He keeps everything within margin. He keeps himself another, uh, a little bit of healthy room between what the rent pays him and what he has to pay every month. So everything's covered and he keeps some money in his pocket. He looks for long-term appreciation. So he doesn't actually raise any rents unless there's a really good reason to do so. So in the last couple um, years where there was that 2% interest rate, he refinanced all his properties. So he had about 10 uh, single families that he refinanced and like a few condos. Um, in Chicago that he, he refinanced. He actually sold a majority of the Chicago condos for some really good profit, honestly. Um, but the single family homes, he kept the rents exactly the same. When he refinanced the 2%, all he did was open up his margin month to month. Cause when you start to take money out of that appreciation, that margin goes down because the price of cost goes back up, right? Cause you're taking money out of it. So there's a lot of, uh, of balancing between how much you keep, how much you take out of it. And who pays for it? Obviously, the tenant will pay for it. But if it goes up too high for that area, then you're you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. That person's going to end up leaving. So it's better to keep them in a you know a comfortable, not not super like hey this is like a hundred bucks in a, a one thousand a month area, but it keeps it comfortable. It's like okay, it's a thousand a month. We'll do eleven hundred. We'll do twelve hundred depending on the rooms and the square footage we have, right? Uh, and if we've done any updates or you know if the if the property itself is you know fairly clean. Um, and that gives us room to make a little bit of profit. It allows us to keep a happy tenant who would continue to live there long term. So we don't have to have many issues about vacancies or trying to, you know, move, move money around between properties to keep things afloat. Um, so that's, that's the methods that I have on raising rents. I want to make sure that the people who live there can live there and not worry about what the next month is going to bring them. Yeah, man, definitely. I feel like that's, that's the right right approach to be able to kind of keep everybody happy, keep everybody comfortable and still have a little bit of room just in case. But I, I do have some more questions. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody that's listening right now that if you have any questions, make sure to raise your hand and we'll get a little space for you to come up and ask any questions regarding the project or to Eddie himself. And also, I want to let you guys know that there is the giveaway pinned at the top of the space. If you guys want to enter the giveaway, Eddie's giving away five whitelist spots for his project. Um, we also have a Bitfins NFT and we have 10 ADA 
that we're giving away. So make sure you guys go ahead and do that and share the space so that we can get a lot of people, you know, listening to this. This is definitely something that's groundbreaking in the Cardano space. I haven't seen anybody else take this type of route in terms of utilizing the blockchain technology we have available to us. So this is definitely something that we should be spreading the word on. Um, but yeah, getting back to you, Eddie, I mean, you mentioned a lot, you mentioned how you want to keep something that is able to, you know, be low cost and you'd be able to make a, a good amount of profit to spread to your holders. I'm curious, have you, have you ever looked into, um, section eight rentals or, or affordable housing? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that one, I want to do it, but my friend in Boston who's doing it, 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 I guess it's different everywhere you go because it's guaranteed money. The government's going to give you the money for Section 8, right? So it's uh, low-income housing that is for uh, government-assistant living. Uh, essentially, anybody, just to give the definition, anybody who applies for it, uh, generally speaking, families, single mothers um, of one or more children that live in the home, uh, generally families is what they like to focus on. They don't want to give a single individual, you know, uh, Section 8, at least up in the Northeast that I haven't seen anybody get approved for just being an individual. Um, but in those, in that kind of respect, yes, it's really good because you can, you can do some stuff with the numbers where you're essentially jacking up the price, even though it's not worth that because the government's going to pay, uh, you know, 80 to 90% of it. The issue that I have with it is that the government is very stringent. Every month they have somebody come out, uh, well, not really every month, depending on what it is. If it's assisted living, uh, yeah, it's every month. You're getting audited. They're looking at the apartment. They're looking if the water's running, if the water quality uh, is good. You know, essentially like a simple home um, inspection. You know, is the water too hot? Is the, is the flooring okay? Is there any structure in the building uh, looking like it needs updating or repair? If there's mold, you know, they do all the tests. Uh, but the thing is, is that even if a light bulb has has to be changed and it's a simple fix, something I could run down and do within like 30 minutes to an hour if, if, if I'm far enough where I have to drive in, they will hold the rents until that's fixed. And then when they hold the rents, they, they you have to wait till the following month for them to come back, review it and make sure that it's okay. And then they release the rents. So it's it can be problematic when it's with single family homes, three three uh like a three unit four unit kind of home where it's not a big property and you don't have like a maintenance team you'd probably do it on your own or you have a maintenance guy that you kind of share between different jobs or different sites um i like the idea of section eight i think that i would hold off section eight until i can buy like a 10 20 plus unit property and, and that's where we can have a full team of management managing the property where those kind of issues can be resolved within the hour not within the week and I think that would be the best solution in that kind of scenario. But uh, for the time being, starting out, I, I probably won't go into Section 8. I got you. I got you. We have somebody up here with a question. Violet, you have the floor. Violet, if you want to go ahead and ask your question. No, we don't. Nothing? All right, we're going to get back to you. Maybe they're, maybe they're having some issues with audio. Um, Looks like they're just connecting. Oh, connecting. Okay, maybe they'll come back up again. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I definitely understand when you have a little bit more intervention from the government and you have to pass these inspections, it can it can be a little bit of an issue. Um, in terms of like you know liquidity and being able to you know, count all your eggs. Um, 
but yeah, no, I just thought that that, that would have been, you know, maybe something that's interesting since, you know, it's guaranteed uh, rental income every single month, even though like even if the, the tenant doesn't have enough to pay I and mean, even if they do, it's like a small amount. So it's easy for them to keep up with it. But either way, um, anyways, moving on. Uh, you know, I'm interested in how, you know, maybe what what is your kind of like strategy in terms of expanding and, you know, starting with one and then getting to eventually when you have 10. And then, like you said, you want to get to the point where you have 20, a 20 unit apartment complexes. What is that plan look like? Like, you know, from from the beginning to get to that point where you're able to get these multi unit apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. So buying buying the first uh, property is going to be probably I guess it's everyone's most difficult journey. Right, because you gotta have enough money down. You gotta make sure that the price is reasonable. Um, I'm never gonna go for the FHA. Uh, I don't think there's really a need to. I'm gonna go conventional for majority of what I'll be doing. I might go through private lenders because banks are gonna start getting really, really strict about everything. Um, I'm already like pre-approved for a million of usage, but if I needed to, I have access to five. So like capital is not really a concern to me at this moment. Um, what the what the main concern is, is just the, every time, every time that rate goes up and every time quantitative tightening becomes, you know, the main concern on the news, there's a lot of talks about banks getting stricter, um, with like, uh, what they call, um, like big deals or like, uh, big loans. The, those are, those are, those are a little bit concerning, just like on how that, that approach is being done. I don't know necessarily, I haven't spoken to my, my bank just yet, but the, they haven't made any changes, but there, there's some concerns there on what, what that looks like. And then you have the flip side of like other companies like Bank of America, where they're just like, if you're a minority, here, go apply. Um, d- before I get canceled, I am Puerto Rican. I am a minority. So <laughs> don't come after me. I, I've definitely recommended uh, some of my family to actually go and get those loans because I, I know that they can afford it. Um, but there are, there are a lot of, there are a lot of like scenarios like that. Um, when it comes to like the multi-units, um, getting them, you know, the, I think they'll be fairly easy in my opinion. Uh, Atlanta right now, I did a vote with my community. Uh, Atlanta is what was voted on. And I was like, well, we're going to move there. So the strategy is we're going to be in that location. Um, I got some good advice from that previous space we talked about, uh, from Wallet Wednesday and, you know, being in a location makes more sense because they're going to be able to grow and scale from there. Um, I'm looking at some places, uh, in Atlanta, uh, Mira, uh, I got a list of them over here, but it, it's, a uh, in the inner city of Atlanta, which you can see on a map. So if you scroll back, uh, on a Google map, you can see there's a big highway that goes all the way around Atlanta. So a few properties in there, some on the outer, uh, parts of Atlanta. Uh, so there's, there's some some good locations there that I'm going to try to buy some two, three, and four units uh, starting out. I'm not going to go into five because five and more go into a different form of tax bracket. And it's a little bit more complicated and requires a little bit more finesse that I I have the time to put the attention into at this moment. Um, but starting out, it'll be tenants living there. I won't live there. I'm not going to do an FHA. Um, I'm going to go com- uh, conventional. Uh, and then depending on the property, there might be, uh, I found one or two fixer flips, uh, fix and flips that are just sitting on a property they just put a bunch of work into. So I'm going to try to give them a, a reasonable deal to get out of it, uh, for them to get out of it. Uh, cause I'm going to put renters in there where they have vacancies cause they're not interested in renting to anybody. So I think we're going to go around that approach to start building it up. 
And with the, the platform and purchasing these properties, um, the idea is to put the properties on the platform, sell the shards, and then utilize that, um, the sharding, uh, income or the, the capital that comes from those shards that are minted, uh, to buy the next property. So that's, that's what, so one property will be able to pay for the next and so forth. And that'll allow a good even uh, scaling across the board. Obviously these shards will have their perks. They'll have their benefits, their access to venom, and they will all pay into the liquidity pool, uh, one way or another through staking rewards. Uh, so in the long term, as you hold your venom, buying into these properties makes the most sense because they're just paying for the, the venom to be worth more, the more properties we have. So the bigger we scale, the overall platform, the portfolio, the better and more lucrative it becomes. So are you looking to start buying now or are you going to be waiting for the market to kind of correct itself? I, I don't want correction. I want fear. <laughs> That's very Dr. Evil. But uh, what, what I'm actually looking for is there's going to be a nice spot right around March and April of 2023 where there's going to be a lot of fear. And I, I'm going to I have to be a strong arm. I have to be a good businessman. Right. So I'm going to be offering very low ball offers, but this is going to be right around that time where people are going to be the most uh, fearful because uh, Jerome has already put the rates up. There's one left for the year in December. He's going to put them up again. <laughs> and then by the time next year comes around, because no one's going to tr- traditionally December is one of the lowest or worst months to try to rent or um, sell a property because nobody wants to move in the winter. So, you know, average across the board is very low. Down south is a little different. You know, people can do that any time of the year. But uh, you know, from the data, the, the winter months are the, the worst for trying to sell something. So getting into March, April, right before spring or right as spring starts, I think there's going to be a sweet spot of fear where people are like, wow, mortgages aren't uh, being um, applied for. Uh, people aren't really trying to buy anything right now and it's the spring season where it's supposed to be the big boom or the start of when people start buying real estate uh, or renting or you know switching apartments that i think is going to be enough shock for it to get people's attention and get some really good deals on the board um i think there's going to be a pivot sometime right before elections uh it's it's definitely going to be a a component that that you know, politics get involved, and it's it's probably going to be a really bad move. But I think we'll see some some signs of a pivot, not a full like we're going back to two percent. I don't think that's going to happen. But we'll probably see it go from the seven eight percent that we see right now and dip right back to like a five or a four, just to get people interested right around there, just for the politics of it. And I think it'll probably get ramped right back up after that if that pivot shows that the inflation is just going to skyrocket at that point. Um, I think a lot of it's going to be po- politically motivated, but 2023 is when I'm looking to start uh, putting more offers in and purchase something. Hey, Eddie, you know, one of the things that you mentioned earlier um, was that you're not only looking into investing in, in actual real estate itself, you're also looking in developing some sort of real estate platform or like a, a management service mm-hmm. like that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and like, you know, how can, how, how do you plan on making that or like integrating the blockchain technology with that? Or is that going to be like kind of like a separate thing? Uh, so it, it's not really separate. 
uh, they, they go hand in hand. So the real estate platform piece is going to be uh, something that I want to comp- I want to compete with Airbnb and Verbo. I want all this to be decentralized at some point. Obviously, when you start a business, it needs to be there has to be a figurehead. There has to be somebody here like calling the shots to build the thing to get to the point of you can let the reins off and let the community or the general public manage it. Um, but for the, for the, you know, like we have uh, with Cardano, we have Charles Hoskinson and IOHK, right? They're doing a lot of development. They're really pushing a lot of stuff forward. Uh, and that organization is doing really good work, you know, making sure that this is scalable, secure, and the code is actually structured where, you know, you're not going to have any crazy data breaches. Um, and then you have, you know, like Bitcoin, they haven't changed anything in years. Why? Because nobody can agree on making changes. They, they, they look at it like the constitution. <laughs> it's just like, okay, no, these are the laws of the land. It's never going to change. Um, where, you know, other people differ in opinion and, and then they go and build Bitcoin cash or something. Um, so the, the, the general sense of like the, the, that platform, what I would like to do is to open up the, uh, the real estate platform as I'm speaking of it now to the general public. Um, and I want to give those people who have properties that may do long term or short term a method to give back to their, uh, their buyers of those NFTs or their holders in different ways possible. So when I was talking on another, um, interview I was doing, it was, uh, it was a, pro- a property in Tulum. So Tulum, Mexico let's say you want to treat that like an Airbnb. Totally fine. But you'll be working with it from the platform standpoint. So give you a means to have a platform that you can, you know, book it or rent it from there. But also when you sell the shard NFTs, maybe you want to give the holders of that uh, some sort of discount or one or two months a year for free. Or maybe you want to treat it like a timeshare. And every time, every one of those that you purchase, you can go and register those NFTs under your name, and now you have a timeshare. You have a smart contract that takes out, I don't know, eighty bucks, hundred bucks, a thousand bucks a year, depending on the property. And now you have a place that, you know, depending on every shard, that's a day of the week. You you bought Sunday through Saturday. You got one week every year that you can go hang out in Tulum, Mexico, at this property that you partake in uh, every once in a while. So there's a lot of really cool, creative stuff I want to do with NFTs and properties and the rental market. Um, and that's what that platform is really going to be able to facilitate. You'll be able to find either an apartment to live in uh, for long-term rental. You'll be able to use that to go for short-term rental, you know, experiences or explore, uh, exploration. Or if you have the shards, a secondary market where you can rent out your week if you're not going to be there that week of your timeshare to somebody else. Um, but I don't want it to be like I'm bringing the blockchain to it. I don't look at the blockchain as like this, this all out solution that everything needs to revolve around. I look at it as my financial backend. Um, I'm building a software. I'm building a solution that people can use for their property, their real estate, their rentals and leverage a solution that really solves a problem that they find needs a solution that they're, they're willing to pay for. Um, I'm just looking at the blockchain as like a free to use public way to manage transactions, uh, keep a ledger and to give people access to a way to take tokens and uh, make something of them. Right. Just like how you have Stripe or Plaid. That's not like a solution you build. No one talks about Stripe or Plaid, like we're bringing Plaid to the system. You just happen to have it or like Google Pay or Apple Pay, just making it an option. And I think that's what the blockchain 
uh, for solutions like this would really need to be. It's just making it as uh, easy to use and there doesn't need to be a transitionary period for every customer. I don't need to, I don't want to have to teach everybody, this is crypto, this is Cardano, this is the blockchain. I just want to tell them this is a property. It's really nice. It's in Tulum, right by the beach. And there's an ice cream shop next door. You want to rent it? And then the mechanisms that I facilitate that rental um, should be as easy to use as sending, you know, money on Venmo. Um, I don't think I need to overcomplicate it. I might put powered by Cardano at the bottom, um, but uh, I want to make this as easy to use of a platform as possible. Yeah, man, I feel like that's that's probably the best approach to take with that. Um, I want to let everybody know that we're nearing the end of the episode and we do have a giveaway at the top. If you're interested in winning a whitelist spot for Eddie's project, uh, make sure you go ahead and enter that giveaway so that way you have a chance to win. Um, Eddie, you know, not, you know we're kind of we're kind of nearing the end here. We usually run for about an hour. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm really impressed. I was looking at all the documentation that you guys have available in your Discord and everything. And I, I definitely think that this is um, a, a really good idea. And nobody has done it on this chain, at least. So you guys are definitely leading the herd um, on this kind of development in the space. And, you know, people are going to be looking at you guys and, and they're going to be thinking of, like, you know, maybe I want to start something like this on my own. And, you know, I just kind of want to get your take. You know, you've been you've been developing this for a while. And then, you know, you're, you're looking at launching uh, pretty soon, at least. Like what what is something that you could you could say to somebody that's thinking about, you know, maybe going that real estate route and, and getting, you know, some some type of utility for the blockchain in the real world? Like what, what are some tips you think that they would you know benefit from? Uh, first, I, I'll, I'll have a list of tips. But the first thing I do want to say is. The best advice I ever got was from a billionaire uh, founder of one of the companies I was at. He said, if you can help people save money or if you can help people make money, you will always be successful. If you can find a way to, you know, if they want to go down the Cardano route and they want to build a, a something for this new industry of Web3 or using NFTs, I would say figure out a way to save people money or figure out a way to make people money. And as long as you can facilitate that, you should be fine. Nah, man, that's definitely valuable. I mean, if it's coming from a billionaire, you know that is legit, man. You know that is legit. You know uh, what? Maybe I'll drop his name. He's he's famous. Uh, Steve from Wayfair, one of the founders. He's the he was the CTO for a while. He's a good dude. Dude, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. You know what they say? You're, you're the culmination. You're the you're the uh, culmination of the people that you keep around you. So, you know. Everybody, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, being successful in the future, look around you, look at the friends that you have. Are they, you know, do they have ambitions in life? Are they pushing themselves to be great? If not, more than likely, you're going to get drug, dragged down with them and you're not going to be able to break through. So try to find friends, try to find people that are doing what you're doing already. If you think that Eddie has a great idea, reach out to Eddie and say, hey, man, is there any way that I could help? Is there any way that 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 I could be of use and get yourself around these people that are building and people that are successful. You're never going to be successful unless you're already, you know, around the people that you want to be like. It's, just, it's that simple. If you're around bums, if you're around lazy people, if you're around people that don't want to push hard and, and make a difference in their life, then you're going to turn out just like them. Unless you have some ridiculous mindset that is able to block that out. But more than likely, you're, you're going to stay exactly in the same spot. Um, but Eddie, man, it, it was amazing having you on the podcast. Uh, I really, really, really love talking about 
you know, the real estate aspect with you. This is something that I'm genuinely interested in, like personally. And I actually live in Atlanta and I'm actually Dominican, which is super awesome to see uh, a fellow Latino putting in work in the space, man. I love to see it, man. Love it. Uh, you no, know, maybe when I'm in Atlanta, we'll, we'll, we'll hit you up. Yes, sir. Let's make it happen. Fausti, I'm going to hand it over to you, man, so you can say your goodbyes and your, and your closing remarks. Yeah, for sure. No, thank you, Eddie, for the insightful conversation. Like, I can already tell you're extremely educated, and I'm excited for the future of Platypus Cyberpunks. And, you know, thank you also to the listeners for showing up and giving us a moment of your, your night. Awesome, awesome. And guys, we're going to uh, be announcing the giveaway winners under the tweet. So after we end the space, we're going to go through all the all the submissions and, and pick our winners and message, message you personally. Um, Eddie, before we get out of here, I'm going to kind of give you the floor to be able to shout out anything that you want. What do you want the listeners to take away from this? And uh, what do you want them to do? Uh, oh, that's, this is the first time I've had that. Uh, I would like to shout out all my community because they're freaking awesome. They definitely motivated me to be better and to do better. Um, come to the Discord. We have a lot of great people there. I'm trying to educate everybody with what I know so far, and I'm sharing market data um, regularly as I try to. So if you want to know a little bit more about the industry based on price uh, prices that are being redu- reduced, um, and, you know, the migration patterns and what those maps look like, you know, we have a lot of that data to share in the Discord. And uh, you know, we'll, and uh, be kind to your fellow Paddle Gang member. They all have five whitelists to give away. So if you're there, it's a first come, first serve kind of thing. But be nice to them. Uh, they're they're very good people. <laughs> awesome, awesome, man. Again, thank you so much for coming out. Um, I can't wait to see you guys launch and see all the success that you have, and and hopefully we get to have you on when you have a uh, you know a hundred properties in the portfolio. Oh, I'll be here. <laughs> well, everybody, have a great night. We're gonna see you guys again next Saturday. Um, thank you for coming out to the club and we hope you enjoyed. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.